I'm Isaac Fitzgerald. He is Saeed Jones. It's Wednesday, and you are watching AM to DM. Loath as I am to read this tweet from the president, here it is. Great meeting this afternoon at the White House with Jack Dorsey from Twitter. Lots of subjects discussed regarding their platform and the world of social media in general. Looking forward to keeping an open dialogue. I really like... <laughs> good sound effect, good sound. I really like the world of the open... world is... It's just such a wondrous place. I really do. I picture like a rainbow with like a world and some computers. Here's a reimagination of that meeting from everyone's favorite Twitter personality, Darth. Give me more followers than this guy, Jack. Just fucking do it. And if we keep that photo up for a little bit, you can see... Trump's got the Jack Dorsey beanie yeah, on. Yeah. You've got a signature I, item. There's definitely some people peeking in from the windows. Oh, okay. I think you've got Junior up there on the wall with a Time magazine cover. And of course, he's holding up President Obama's Twitter account. <laughs> uh, good place to, to maybe mention that Obama has over 105 million followers, and Trump is just shy of 60 million followers. Which, judging from not just recent tweets, this has come up several times, but like is a sore point mm. for, for Trump. He doesn't believe he has enough followers and actually believes that his followers are like being willfully taken away by Twitter. Mm -hmm. But it's like, it's because you have a lot of bots. A lot of your followers are bots. That's true for all of us, and I believe Dorsey even said this himself, but it's like, okay. And Twitter's doing a good job trying to get rid of those bots. Right. So, so yes, so, you're gonna uh, lose some followers. Uh, it's very interesting to me because Trump was tweeting a lot in the past 24 hours, right. and yes, Yesterday morning, he had three separate tweets kind of attacking Twitter. So it's interesting to me because there's no way he didn't know about that meeting sure. yesterday afternoon. Right. So he definitely started the morning kind of attacking Twitter, yeah. attacking Jack. And I would argue probably signaling to his base, look, I know I'm about to meet with these guys, but don't worry, like, I'm on your side. And that's the thing with, and I know Twitter, talk, uh, uh, Jack Dorsey talks about transparency, but there's nothing transparent about this meeting. It was closed door uh, and reporters were not invited in. And so both of them, like Twitter to his own employees and his own base, Twitter users has to reassure us, right? And say like, everything's gonna be okay. We're gonna have a really productive conversation. And Trump, of course, to his own base has to say, I'm in control. I'm gonna let these guys have it. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, what did either side get out of this meeting? Uh, we did invite Jack to come on the show this morning. He did not respond to our tweets. Shock. Well, Jason Kepler, editor-in-chief at Motherboard, which of course broke the story yesterday when an internal email at Twitter leaked, joins us now. Jason, good morning. Hey, thanks for having me. Of course, of course. Okay, so what did that internal email say? I believe there were a few email exchange there at Twitter. And what was Jack's reasoning for going through with this meeting. Right. So the internal email said that, hey, you know, Jack Dorsey and two other Twitter executives are going to have a closed door meeting with President Trump to discuss, quote, the health of the public conversation on Twitter. Um, you know, Jack wrote to, I believe, uh, to the entire company that, you know, quote, some of you will be very supportive of this meeting and some of you feel like we shouldn't take this at all. Um, he said that he thinks that it's important to meet with heads of state and added that they have met with heads of state in Japan and South Korea before. Um, you know, I don't, I can't think of two people sort of less uh, positioned to talk about the health of the public conversation on Twitter than Jack Dorsey and President Trump. We know that Trump has used Twitter to attack his enemies. Um, like you said, he has complained about his followers and this perceived bias against conservatives. And meanwhile, Twitter has been very slow to ban white supremacy, has been very slow to ban harassment and trolling. So um, yeah, it looks like they got into the room and Trump largely talked about his Twitter followers. All right, Trump largely talked about his Twitter followers. Like Said mentioned, it was behind closed doors. It was a half an hour meeting, which to me, I don't know, feels a little short. So Trump mainly talked about his Twitter followers. Could you talk a little bit more about that? And do we know anything else they discussed? Yeah, so I don't have independent reporting on this, but the Daily Beast and Washington Post both had sources in the room who said that, you know, Trump largely asked like, hey, why did I lose so many followers? And um, Jack Dorsey said, well, we've been removing bots and spam accounts, and so that's why you've been losing followers. Uh, we also have heard that Trump has, like you mentioned, complained about why he doesn't have as many followers as President Obama, even though he's, quote, so much better at Twitter than Obama. So, I mean, we don't know what else was discussed here. Uh, we do know that uh, Twitter came to the president and said that they're doing things to address the opioid uh, epidemic with 
emojis, which I mean, I don't, you can argue about how much effect that will have, but we don't really know too much about what was discussed in this meeting. And like you said, Twitter always talks about trying to be transparent, but this was a closed door meeting. There was no press there. We have no idea what they talked about. Right. Um, I was looking earlier this morning and reading tweets from a former engineer um, at Twitter and some other former employees who have spoken out before and are really frustrated uh, with the issue of transparency or lack of transparency. Uh, Do we have any other sense of how this conversation has been playing out at Twitter as a company? Yeah, I mean, we do know that, like Jack said, people were not happy that, uh, you know, Jack Dorsey decided to take this meeting. I think the White House, frankly, put them in a pretty tough spot because the White House invited Jack Dorsey to come in. And he was like, well, you know, I want to talk to the president because in many ways, Trump has, you know, Twitter's uh, earnings are through the roof. And I think in part that can be attributed to the fact that you need to be on Twitter in order to see what the leader of the free world is talking about day to day. So I think, you know, uh, Twitter's most important user right now is probably President Trump. And at the same time, he's, he's using this platform in a way that violates a lot of its rules. But Twitter has been very slow to you know, take action against his account. So we do know that this is very controversial within Twitter, you know, uh, in the ranks of the engineers, the other uh, staffers there. But so far, Dorsey and the executives haven't really taken any action and have said that, frankly, there's a different set of uh, rules for world leaders on Twitter. Yeah. Um, Listen, you are the editor-in-chief of Motherboard. You obviously covered the entire tech conversation. I wanted to ask about Jack Dorsey and the decisions he's been making recently about how he engages with media. He's obviously talking to the president now. He spoke at TED last week. Um, How would you define this current phase he is in, in terms of his relationship to the press? I would define it as Elon Musk light, um, where it seems like he is doing some of these more formal things like the TED conversation. You know, he's doing some interviews with people, but he's also been a little bit wild. Um, You know, he did a like DM or a Twitter tweet interview with Kara Swisher over at Recode. Um, He did an interview with Ashley Feinberg um, at Huffington Post that was just a little, he seemed very unprepared for it. Uh, He also went on Good Morning America and talked about his diet and fasting. So, uh, I mean, I think to me, it seems a little bit erratic. Um, You know, I don't really know what people inside Twitter think of his current uh, like media outreach. But right now it seems like sometimes he responds to random people's DMs. Sometimes he tweets out responses to, you know, questions and things like this, but he's also doing more formal interviews too. So yeah, it's almost like this version of Elon Musk where he's engaging directly with people, but he's also doing some more formal interviews about a wide range of topics when, uh, you know, a lot of them seem to have nothing to do with the day-to-day, like, goings on at Twitter. And a lot of the questions that people have. Well, thank you so much for joining us this morning, Jason. Yeah, thank you so much. It's kind of wild to hear that Darth's little image there, the imagination of what that meeting was, was actually pretty spot on. Maybe it's not that wild. I mean, the thing is, if you're a power user on Twitter, I think we understand and we see how this works. Many of us have been on this platform for a decade, right? So I'm like, I don't know. It's We can see it. It's right there, right? So, well, let's take this to the timeline. What do you make of Jack's meeting with the president yesterday? Uh, Let us know using the hashtag. Jack, you should come on AM to DM. It will be a really pleasant conversation. And when you meet with world leaders, you should have it open door and have journalists in the room. That part. (laughs) Well, Ben Collins, tech dystopia reporter at NBC. That's what I'm going to go with. The dark web. I don't know. It's a loaded term at this point. Had this to say about that White House meeting. Jack Dorsey has data and countless studies showing what the president says about Twitter is not true. If they had a conversation the president considers productive, I think, I doubt Jack challenged him on those ideas in any way. And to that point, here's a new story from Ben Collins. According to data gathered by a prominent disinformation researcher and analyzed by NBC News, a network of more than 5,000 pro-Trump Twitter bots railed against the Russiagate hoax, their quote, shortly after the release of the redacted Mueller report last week. Ben Collins joins us now. Ben, welcome back to the show. Hey, can you hear us? I can hear you great. Oh, okay. Can you hear me? Yes, we do. Okay, so right, uh, where 5,000 bots, 5,000 bots last week, not a year ago, not like during the 2016 election. Where the hell did all of these bots come from? 
so it's kind of a weird story. They were 5,000 bots that tweeted about one thing. They tweeted about how Russiagate was a hoax, and they, they sort of sprung up after the Mueller report came out. But their one sort of nexus, the one thing that they all communicated with, was this recently rebranded pro-Saudi government account. It used to be called Arabian Veritas, and then it changed its name to this thing called The Globus, which was supposed to be like a Guardian-style news operation, but it didn't really get off the ground. Um, that entire account was like literally only exclusively dedicated to saying nice things about the crown prince of Saudi Arabia. So it's, it's pretty fishy, pretty weird. Uh, Twitter took down the accounts once, once they were flagged for them. They were really obvious accounts. They had like stock photos as profile pictures with the watermark over their faces. So it was very <laughs> obvious. Um, but yeah, Twitter took action on them and then they took action on that Arabian Veritas account a, a day later. Were you, was this different than what we've seen in the past? Is Twitter reacting maybe a little more quickly? What did, what did we learn from this new situation about Twitter's ongoing campaign against misinformation? Um, yeah, yeah, so I mean, they've been a lot more proactive in the last, I don't know, year or so when flagged with very obvious spam accounts, right? These are, there, there was no doubt about this. They were all tweeting the same sentence. They weren't even original sentences. They were stolen from right-wing American Twitter personalities. And they wouldn't retweet them. They would like copy and paste them onto their own accounts. So it was obvious that these were spam accounts. And these were, and, and I guess part of it too is that Twitter is cracking down on impersonation and these, these accounts were not real people. So um, that's, the best, that's the best way they can handle this. They, they don't have to say, hey, this is a foreign influence campaign. They can just say, hey, this is spam. So we don't want it on our platform. So that's, um, that's the biggest step they've taken like the last year or so. Okay, interesting. And, and just one last question. We joked about this, but your Twitter bio just says, listen, the dystopia beat. Um, and so yeah. what's interesting to me moving from 2016 to the 2020 election, which is just getting started, how are you feeling? Like, what can we expect in terms of the way bots at the very least um, might come to play a role in this presidential election? Sure, I, I think platforms do have to be more proactive. Like we took this to them. Um, this came from an independent researcher. There's a guy in... So there's a dude in Indiana. He's literally just a dad with time on his hands who has access to Twitter's backend uh, because he works at a university. And he found all these accounts on a Saturday night just kind of hanging out. Mm. So, like, I, frankly, these, like, like, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, they need more people devoted to finding these things in the way that independent researchers find them, in the way that journalists do. They're not all the way there yet. Um, we don't really know why this isn't a priority. It seems like the most important thing in the world, like literally protecting democracy. But uh, we'll see what happens. I mean, it's it's. I feel like we see like a, a really bad terror attack tied to these social networks once a month now, at least. So um, look, I hope they take it seriously. I hope they get moving on this. But um, it's. I think it's probably going to be a little bit better than 2016, but very different. Wow, very different. All right, well, Ben, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Thanks, guys. Man, could you believe, just like a dad, just hire the dad. The dad's uh, got time. Or maybe it's better. Like, maybe it helps that he's independent, right, and continue, continue to do that work. Maybe they should, like, make it easier for other people to have access. He's able to do this because he works at a university. Absolutely. Right? I so. still think they should hire big staff to be taking care of. I mean, of honestly, make that dad the CEO at this point. Well, <laughs> we've got another great show for you guys today. Kevin and Angela from The Office are here. I know a lot of you are so excited to see them. And W. Kamau Bell, also very excited. I got to laugh a lot. <laughs> it's going to be a fun morning. But up next, it's Fire Tweets. Welcome back. Let's get into these fire tweets. Friend of the show, Jesse McLaren, you tweeted, a line for the men's room. Some guy, literally anytime, there's a line for the men's room. That's true. You see this. You see, man, there's always one dude, usually in a vest, oh, just walks up and he goes, oh, he's always in a vest. And he's just like, oh, never seen this before. Oh, my God. Except at gay bars where it's just all out chaos because you got drag queens, you know, different gender identities. We're all just trying to make it work and have everyone feel safe and convenient. I just mess. closed off it's three different mess. jokes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, this next one, good username. This tweet comes from That's Enough Miss Sean, which, all right, she's had it. You tweeted, my coworker said Beyonce is overrated. After I reported her to HR for creating a hostile work environment, I waited for half to work and cussed her out in the parking lot. <laughs> that is wow. you got some nerve. Let me play the sorry demo. 
while I read you the right There really are people still out. Like, that's the thing that I can't imagine. Could you imagine after all this entire body of work, the incredible Netflix documentary, everything that's happened just in the past five years, let alone an entire life, just being like, no, she's overrated. Well, also just like, has the, like, if we really are honest with ourselves and like, don't search my own tweets, I'm sure I've said this too, but like just saying X thing is overrated mm. when people are talking about something they're excited, has that ever actually been a productive contribution to the conversation? Or are you just being an asshole? Like, like, I think we're being assholes when we say that. Yeah, Adam has his comic like, shh, let people people Let people enjoy Let things. people enjoy things. Nick, you tweeted, I love when you compliment a little kid's shoes and they do that weird little stick out foot twist. <laughs> you can't see my foot that right was, now, but, but I'm doing it. We all know exactly you what you're exactly talking about. That's what why I'm I love doing. that tweet. And why do they do that? I just... I feel like a scientist needs to break down, like, actually, there's this weird genetic thing that happens in the, the brain of children. I think when you're a kid, you're like, the sides are the best part, so I want to kind of, I want to show them off. You can't see our feet, so we're just looking ridiculous. Now you but. can, like, test for people's, like, arrested development status by seeing if they do it to, like, 40 years old. I, I probably still do. Yeah, I, I probably still do. All right, this next tweet comes from Venice Witch. Of shame is going back for a shopping cart after realizing I can't carry 24 items in my arms through the store. <laughs> yeah, there, there. That's that is that is me shopping. That is, you're like, oh, I'm gonna get through Don't this. Do it. I'm gonna get through Don't this. Do it. And then I get my thing is I get the basket, like the like the hand carry, and it's like, <laughs> and it's and if, do you Too go heavy. back? No. You were just tweeting yesterday, Trader oh, Joe's. Oh, Trader Joe's. Shout out to my girl Gwen at Trader Joe's. She's just a lovely cashier there. I just have, a, I just feel like the, and I had to say the customer experience because it's like the food is great. It's just a pleasant place. I like. It's just a nice atmosphere, and the customer service is so wonderful. And I hope it's not a scam. I hope, I hope like tomorrow I don't find out like Trader Joe's is a horrible company. But it just seems like people are happy to be there. I regularly see like LGBT staffers there, like doing their thing. It's just. A Great place. I this love is it. why I love Saeed. This is one I of the many, it. many reasons why Saeed's one of my best friends. I love him so much because he's he's complex. He's the ferocity. <laughs> but you better believe he's developing a wonderful relationship with a woman named Gwen yeah, over it. rhubarb strawberry pie oh, it's so at good. Trader Joe's. It's great, Gwen. You ready? You ready for this tweet so of the good. day? Tweet <laughs> of the day comes from Juice. Do y'all think bugs are born knowing they can walk up walls, or do they just accidentally do it one day and go, Yo! <laughs> Oh, I didn't know, I didn't know I could do this. <laughs> what if we can walk up walls and we just like haven't tried it? Well, in, I know the, in the break, we're going to try. try. <laughs> All right, well, coming up, Isaac sits down with W. Kamal Bell. But up next, we're going live from the district because we've been having too much fun. Hmm. Welcome back. Feeling hopeful, having a good morning. Did you enjoy Fire Tweets? Let's ruin it and talk about the Supreme Court. We're going live from the district with BuzzFeed News legal reporter Zoe Tillman. Zoe, are you ready? Good morning. I feel like I'm such a downer now on the show. It's not no, you. You're a it's bright light. You. You're a bright light in a dark, cold, dismal world. Uh, here's a tweet from you, Zoe. Big day at the Supreme Court. The Trump administration made its case for a citizenship question on the 2020 census. The challengers argue it would lead to a drop in responses and census accuracy. The justices' questions today suggested a 5-4 win for the government, but you never no. Mm. So, Zoe, let's start with the baseline here. What is the citizenship question, and why is it so controversial? So, every 10 years, the Census Bureau sends out a short questionnaire to every American household asking how many people live there, uh, a couple demographic questions about gender and age, um, but it's very simple. And since 1960 or 1950, it's been about 65 years, there has not been a question on the form asking, are you a U.S. citizen or is anyone in your household a U.S. citizen or not? And the uh, Commerce Secretary under Trump, Wilbur Ross, came in and has approved a plan to put a, a citizenship question back on the census. Um, so this has been incredibly controversial because challengers and the Census Bureau's own experts have said that what will happen is you send out this survey, particularly to Hispanic households, if they are non-citizens, they will not fill it out, they will not send it back, or if they do, they won't tell the truth um, because there is just intense distrust 
in telling the federal government, yes, I'm here illegally, even though by law, Uh, The Bureau can't actually turn this over to law enforcement. That doesn't really assuage anyone's fears. So the challengers say that this is a deliberate effort to try and depress the count of Hispanic Americans, non-citizen or not. Um, Everyone is supposed to be counted. And these numbers are really important because they're used for everything from how congressional districts are drawn, so how much representation you get in Congress is based on the census results, to how billions of dollars in federal funds are spent. That's all based on how many people there are, and where they are. Right, and and, and thank you for making that point. Um, so to, to take it a step forward, further, is the concern that um, if we added a citizenship question to the census, um, in addition to people just not responding, which isn't good, right, we want accurate data, it also means that districts that have more Hispanic, Latino identified people in it might end up being even more underrepresented um, in things like Congress. Is that the concern? That's right. That's right. That's a real concern. And that's why um, states that have uh, more Hispanic residents, groups that do, you know, Hispanic rights advocacy, immigrant rights advocacy, have said this is really a deliberate effort to try and suppress the political representation of Hispanics in the United States. And that this is one way to do it by undercounting how many of them there are. And that means they get less representation when congressional districts are drawn. Wow. Well, we will certainly keep an eye on that. Um, Here's a tweet from Emma O'Connor. The Supreme Court just announced that they will make a decision about whether the Civil Rights Act prevents discrimination against employees for their sexuality and gender or gender identity. And I want to say, obviously, it is deeply disheartening that this is even up for debate in 2019. Um, Zoe, what are the cases the Supreme Court is hearing about LGBT employee discrimination? So there are two sets of cases that the justices have agreed to hear. One of them has to do with uh, sexual orientation discrimination, so discrimination because you're gay or lesbian, um, because of the sexual orientation that you have. Um, And the other set of cases have to do with transgender discrimination specifically, so gender identity. And what both of these sets of cases involve is the Civil Rights Act, and specifically Title VII, which says you cannot discriminate on the basis of sex. Um, But what exactly sex means in the context of things like sexual orientation and gender identity, courts have been really divided on. And there's one camp, which is the more conservative camp, what the Trump administration is arguing, is that sex should be a very narrow definition. It should be basically your biological sex at birth. So you can't discriminate against a woman uh, because she's a woman, but saying you cannot extend that to a person's sexual orientation or gender identity. And then there's the other camp, and several courts have agreed with this, saying that no, anytime you're discriminating against someone because of the way that their gender manifests in the world, that is sex discrimination. And so that's the big question that the Supreme Court is going to take up, is how to define sex discrimination in this context. Okay, Zoe, real quick, just remind us, currently, how many states can you be fired? How many states in, can you be fired for being LGBTQ? So I'll give you a sort of reverse answer, which is that in 21 states in D.C., there are clear prohibitions on discrimination based on sexual orientation and gender identity. So you cannot be fired for that. The rest of the 29 states, math is not my strong suit, I think it's 29. Um, the rest of the 29 states, there's either no protection, so you can be fired you know, regardless for being LGBT, or there are some protections, but not full protections. So, you know, more than two dozen states where, at least in some circumstances, you could be fired for being gay. Right, which is such a basic right, right? It's incredible that it's, that the uh, fractions fall out that way. Well, like with the census case, do we have any indications at this point um, on how the Supreme Court might go on this particular issue? This is really going to be a fascinating test of the new Supreme Court bench with our new justice, Brett Kavanaugh. Um, Kavanaugh replaced Anthony Kennedy on the court, who, you know, in many ways was a conservative justice, but was seen as a real champion for LGBT rights. He wrote the decision that upheld the rights of um, LGBT individuals to marry. He wrote other decisions upholding gay rights. And, you know, whether Kavanaugh is going to be more of a conservative in the Kennedy vein or whether he is going to be more of a far-right conservative and create a solid, you know, majority on the court against 
LGBT rights is what this case will really test. So it's, it's we don't know it where all, it's going to go. It all depends on Kavanaugh. That is certainly frightening. Just in time for Pride Month. Or Chief Justice Roberts. Who knows? We never know what they're going to do. <laughs> That's you know, true. They could you go never anyway. know until they vote. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Zoe. Sure thing. She really is a light in the cold abysmal darkness. Absolutely. Clarity, honesty. <laughs> it is cold, dark, and abysmal. Good Lord. All right, well, listen, up next, I am talking with W. Kamau Bell, which I'm very excited about. We're going to get a little more joy in the morning. Welcome back. This is The Sit Down, and I'm here with W. Kamau Bell, host of United Shades of America on CNN, a close friend, there we go. an incredible comedian. There we go. How are you, sir? I'm incredible. Yeah? You're yeah. feeling good? <laughs> yeah, I'm good. I'm all right. I'm good. I'm good. I'm not incredible. I'm fine. Season four. I know. Did you know the show was going to last? Let me put it a different way. Thank you. How come you didn't solve all of America's problems in the first season? That actually is sort of the thing I don't, it's hard to bring up. Like, yeah, we were, like, I feel like we, we keep addressing all these problems, but they still be problems. <laughs> Maybe the show's not that good. It's just, I hope nobody notices, but thanks for exposing me. No, but you're not bridging the gap. No, but seriously, how does it feel to be going into season four? I mean, I know that I'm in the, the TV Hall of Fame for having four seasons of a TV show. Like, I feel like that's a, that's a big deal. A lot of people working in the industry are like, four seasons, you know, so... And I'm happy that I think the work's getting better, so I'm happy that we're evolving. Every season I try to push it, and, and this season I know we've pushed it further than we have in previous years. So, mm-hmm. what, what were some of the things that you just felt like you had to talk about this season? Uh, you know, the, <laughs> uh, everywhere I go, airports, uh, you know, uh, coffee shops. Uh, I have a, there's a, I'm liked by lots of people, diverse group of people, but specifically white people ask me, like, what can I do? <laughs> what can I do? It's so terrible. How can I help? How can I? I just, I just, I don't know. I voted, but that didn't do it. What can I do? Alleviate me. I, I just, Alleviate is there, me. Is there a, is, do I retweet you more? <laughs> I, I, I voted, I retweet. What can I do? And so there's an episode we have this season called Not All White People mm. about white people doing real boots-on-the-ground activism. Uh, one of those groups is the Redneck Revolt. The, they, it's in the Tacoma. They call themselves the John Brown Gun Club. Okay. Uh, Google John Brown, white people who want to know what they can do. Because <laughs> uh, John Brown's a white guy who's like, you need to go help and get guns. And so this is John Brown Gun Club in Tacoma, uh, in Seattle, is a group of white people who are also liberals and Second Amendment gun advocates. Mm. And so they use their guns to stand up against, like, neo-Nazis and the alt-right at rallies. And they, pr- they protect the Black Lives Matter rally because Black Lives Matter activists can't carry guns. You know, I mean, legally, we, but realistically, no. So these are white people who are like, I can use my Second Amendment rights to protect black people and, and brown people when they're at rallies and protests. So, All yeah, right. That's what you can do, white people. W. Kamau Bell says, get your guns. Right. <laughs> there it is. There it is. We're going to turn that into a gift, yeah. and we're going to put it out there totally out of context. Quoting uh, Jim Morrison. Let me, let me say that you just stepped on my next question, which was going to be, what can I do? <laughs> no, no. See, but you do. You talk to a lot of groups. I, I mean, you've just spoken with the KKK. Yeah. Do yeah. you ever have a moment where you're just like, fuck these people? Like, I'm, why, why am I interested in bridging this gap? I mean, I'm not, I don't think I'm really interested in bridging the gap. I think if it was, bridging the gap would be if I went to meet with the KKK by myself with no cameras. I'm interested in, ex- in showing America what America looks like up close. Mm. So I'm interested in what the viewer experience is, not in whether or not this Klan member is like, you know what, I've thought about it in the last two hours we've talked. I, I like black people, you know, so <laughs> that's a ridiculous thing to do. Uh, that's like a talk show from the 90s. Uh-huh. So for me, it's like I'm not really interested in bridging the gap. I'm interested in, like, the audience who, because there's two different audiences watching the show. People who are like, of course the Klan exists. That's black people. But every episode has, like, two different audiences, people who know the thing I'm talking about mm. and people who are like, I never knew about any of this. So for me, I'm interested in, in supporting the people who know it and feel like they have something they can use to go, see, I told you. Mm-hmm. And then also people who didn't know that they're, that they're more hashtag woke. Is that, some, is that something you thought about a lot when you said that? And you're like, how do I make this not like a 90s touch? How do I not, how do I make this three-dimensional instead of one-dimensional? No, because I mean, I was basing this on the model of, of Anthony Bourdain. Mm. So for me, it was like, it was, I know I don't do it the way he does it. But when I got to CNN and they said, would you like to do this show? And he already had his show. I wasn't even thinking about bridging the gap or whatever. It was just like, I want to make a show that is about culture and race, mm. the way he has a show that's about food, but also culture and race. And the inroads to me is like, I'm a comedian, his inroads was he's a chef. So to me, it's like, I wasn't, that part of it was, was sort of like, like what I wasn't thinking about that as much. It wasn't about like, people sometimes think I'm some sort of like, 
uh, like some sort of political science professor who's like, how do I get the message out? <laughs> and I'm not. I'm a college dropout who wanted to be a comedian and ended up with a job at CNN. So like it's like it's not as exciting as you play. That ended up with you don't have like a lot of algorithms. No, you know, it's like you can't really follow my path to this. It's not really easily laid out. It's just I grew up in a house where we talked about race and racism all the time. So that's mm. kind of like the family business is sort of thinking about these things and figuring them out. And then as a comedian, I just sort of got pulled into doing the thing that I saw my mom doing, you know? That's incredible. What, what, I mean, just speak a little bit more on that. What, what did your mom do? My mom is like a, you know, she was an, she's an academic, but an academic who dropped out of her PhD program at Stanford mm -hmm. because at the time they wouldn't give her a PhD in African-American literature because wow. they didn't think that was a thing in wow. the early 70s. Wow. Yes. Uh, That's incredible. So she is like a self-made person. Like she, in the 80s, she sold books called Famous Black Quotations because there were no compendiums of book, books of African-American quotations. There are now literally based on her example. Uh, like Henry Louis Gates had one back in the day. And, you know, like people, I regularly hear from people who have those, who have those this little blue book. Uh, and so, like, my mom was like, you know, this is the Marcus Garvey quote, up, up, you mighty race. Like, it's just sort of like, she was like, I, I've tried to do it the way these white people told me to do it. I'm not going to do it that way. I'm going to do it my own way. So okay. that was my example. So you are very much your mother's son. Yeah. Let me ask you. So you go. My dad's in there, too. I don't want my dad to be like, hey. <laughs> but yeah. I wasn't included yeah, enough. Yeah. You, you, you go. You, you have these conversations. And, and they're pretty incredible. Uh, you're obviously very quick on your feet. You're very smart. Do you ever, though, we all, nobody bats a thousand. Do you ever no, feel like yeah. you, you, you remember the thing you wish you had said after the cameras had stopped? Do you ever have a shower argument when you go home? Every single time. Really? There's always something you're like, oh, I should have gone back. Oh, why didn't I? I can't believe all I mean, that's just part. I think the reason why a lot of comedians do comedy is because the thing about comedy, you can say the things that you didn't think to say in the moment. Mm. And you can then sort of say, and that's what I said. <laughs> but in this situation, I can't go. I'm not really working on this the same way. But because we have like VO and packages, sometimes you're able to get those points back in through those other things. Through those others. You, do you, you do find yourself kind of following up on Twitter? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. No, yeah, people will come after me and go, how did you not, how come you didn't ask? And I'm like, you're right. And they're like, oh, I want to yell more. Okay, <laughs> but I agree that I messed that up. Uh, I thought we were going to fight. No, I have three kids and too many jobs to fight with people on Twitter about bullshit, especially when I agree with them. Okay, I'll follow you. Yeah, here's yeah. a hug. Yeah, yeah. But, but you do, you tweet a lot. You do find the time. I do find the time. Do you, do you have a philosophy towards, like, do you ever delete your tweets? Do you ever feel like you got I only delete away? tweets if I, like, like, serious typos. And if there's things where it's like, I mean, I don't, I'm not really a big tweet deleter. I mean, I, I, I sometimes I think about deleting all of them just because it just seems like, why are we, you know, maybe there shouldn't be a permanent record of sandwiches I had four years ago. Uh, and also just think, I'm sure my opinions have evolved. I, all of us who've been on Twitter for the expense of Twitter, if at some point I get nominated for the Supreme Court, there's certainly a tweet that will be like, how could you say this when he said this about that? So I think because in the early days of Twitter, it was like it was like the old West. Like you yeah. could kill any, you could kill people. You know, like it was just like there were no rules. There were no, it was a $25 fine for killing a guy, you know. But like now it's like not that way. So I feel like sometimes when they pull up t people's tweets from like pre-2012, I'm like, that's kind of it's a little that's we were all told there were no rules back yeah, then. And, uh, yeah, 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 yeah yeah i hear you 100 yeah, yeah. let me i want to ask you one last question you did finding kamau mm -hmm. right you went into your ancestry did the dna test yeah i gotta add because you know we're friends and you're a very smart man and now people are there that dna stuff is maybe being handed over to police there's all sorts of stuff there. do you have any feelings about that do you I, have regrets all, as a black man in america I feel like I'm always being surveilled mm. and, and I'm always being looked at and looked through. And mm. so sometimes it's like, I'm going to cut this deal because there is information I can get from this that will, that my parents were super excited to find out mm. that they would not have had otherwise. I, you know, it's like people are like, your phone is a, yeah, my phone is a surveillance device, but it also comes with these fun games. <laughs> <laughs> a lot, Martin Luther King Jr. was surveilled and it didn't come with fun games. Oh, shit. So for me, I just feel like we are always, as a black person, people, we're always being surveilled. We're always being watched. People are always going through our shit. Mm. The, so me, at least it came with the family tree now that you, I have. You're so, like, yeah. at least I have some information yeah. that I can so share. It's, I'm not saying I'm, everybody should do that. I'm not saying I'm, I'm not saying, but for me, it was worth that. It was worth that thing. That's your reasoning and you is, had that it, information to is, share with is, your is old juice, mom and dad. Yeah, it's the juice worth the squeeze and for me it was. It so, was. Yeah. All right, well, my man, thank you so much for coming on the show. Deeply appreciate it. United Shades of America returns to CNN this Sunday, April 28th, season four. Don't miss it. Up next, Angela Kinsey and Brian Baumgartner from The Office are here. I'm getting to have like a fun morning. I'm just
welcome back. I'm so excited to be here with Angela Kinsey and Brian Baumgartner, who you know and love as Angela and Kevin from The Office. Welcome. Hey. Hey. Yeah. Welcome, welcome. Applaud for us. Yes, exactly. Is it so much fun to be working together again? Yes. Yes. It is. It is. You tease that it's like kind of like, you're like, but you're loving it. No, it's great. Look at that face. I do like her. That's a happy face. You guys are kind of enjoying it. I got to ask, you guys, like, listen, you guys obviously stay in touch with the rest of the Office Mm -hmm. cast. You guys are now working again together, which is really wonderful. At what point making that show, did you know you were making kind of lifelong friends? Oh, man. Oh, that's a good question. Yeah. Don't sound that surprised. No. Yeah, I was shocked (laughs) that you said something intelligent. Um, No, part of the the thing was the way that the show was shot. We were literally all in one room. All in an office bullpen, right? Most of the time... On shows, there's like a fake wall that, you know. The, or maybe so we you're were in just there. in one scene, but you're not in this other mm-hmm. world. But we were all in the so same So we were all space. in this room all the time, trying our darndest to make each other laugh. Mm. Yeah. And, you know, I think pretty quickly we bonded and uh, and lifelong friends. I don't know. But, <laughs> but, He's being a sinker. But, but no, no. by... By a couple years in, for sure. And yeah. when the show took off, it was, yeah. I remember exactly uh, when Jenna and I, we, we were sitting next to each other during the basketball episode, and we just talked all day for like three days straight. And then we were walking through the parking lot. We had just finished. It was nighttime. And we locked arm in arm, and we started doing Laverne and Shirley. You guys, Google it. We're old, whatever. <laughs> we, we know Laverne, okay, Laverne and Shirley. Shirley. I, we did arm in arm, and we started going, Shamil, Shamazel. <laughs> and we were doing this whole dance, and we didn't know Steve Carell was quietly walking behind us. Mm. And we were like, hey. And then he looked at us and he was like, you too, this is what you'll have. No matter what happens to the show, this is what you got. And he was right. And he was absolutely right. And then it went on for years and years. Uh, You know, obviously everyone's always like, reboot, reboot. When are you guys going to get the gang back together? Let me ask a different question. Oh. Oh, Yeah. yeah. Look at that. Well, let me. Okay. If you could have one character have a spinoff, who's, you know, who would you want to follow? Oh, man. I mean, that's, what would you say? I know what I say. Um, I think that there could be a very cool story about the accountants that used to sit in the corner. That's right. (laughs) That's right. We love a plug. Mm -hmm. So Angela and Kevin just go off to do that. And Oscar. And Oscar. Oscar. Okay. Yeah, maybe maybe things didn't work out with Angela and Dwight, and she's living with Oscar again. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. We move in with you. I don't know. I would absolutely watch that. (laughs) Um, I obviously also have to bring up the Scarn, and I'm I am apologizing. I'm going to have to look down to make sure I get the name right, Billy. Eilish, because you guys are pals now. I met in the airport. I met her in an airport, and she was so sweet. And she came up to me, and she was like, "Can I get a picture with you?" And I was like, "Sure." And I'm a hundred, so I don't know, you know. And then she posted it, and all of these people were like messaging me, like, "Oh my gosh, you know Billy?" And then I googled Billy Eilish, and then I was like, "Oh, she's very talented young lady, and I wish her well." So the same thing. I mean, there's the video with her. The same thing happened to me with Post Malone. Wait, there was, what? No, no, no. There was a photo out there that my niece, all these people kept sending me saying, is this you and Post Malone? And I, it's on the interwebs, on, on the, the social internet. media. And to me, I had on a black shirt and I thought it was a bad edit job because like Post Malone, Kevin Malone, because people would post it and say yes, like, yes. like Kevin the Post Malone. Malone. Yeah. Post Malone. So I was like, right, that's actually I was like very no, 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 somebody faked it. So I went back and I Googled and I found his Twitter and he himself had posted the photo <laughs> like a year before. So maybe at an establishment that serves alcohol at some <laughs> point in time, clearly, because I'm holding one, he came up and asked for a picture and I didn't put anything together. He posted it. And so a year later, I posted it on mine. And this like, is a- Kevin Post Malone, Damn, let's go. Right Get a new show. I think you guys are just going to, you should just be on these albums. <laughs> yeah, Background dancing, samples. Yeah. I think you got this relationship going. I like, let's talk about the, a younger generation, especially thanks to The Office being on Netflix. Yes. Yes. But just like, this show is a real comfort to people. Uh, yes. Does it surprise you to have a whole new generation kind of discovering it and really finding comfort in it? It's I, insane. It, it will. Dude, it, I, it's uh, well, I'm sorry like to interrupt you. It's more popular now than it was when we were on the That's air. That's what we talk, when we were yeah, like really? texting. Rain Wilson, like a month ago, I was saying, you know, like, I feel like the show is 
as big as it was when we were getting, bigger. you know, 15, 20 million people a night on Thursday nights. And he said, the same, he said, no, it's bigger. I mean, for us, because it's the people who watched it originally. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not going to say old people because... They're well, not. They're Has, you know what? Hashtag me. Hashtag but, this is 40. Yeah, but, I, but also now you have people like 15, 16, 17, Eight year old. 18. Yeah. Eight-year-old. No, but 15-year-olds were born the year we started. What? You're what? When you were, not when <laughs> now, I was. I was. You, you were born that year, too. I know. I, it's amazing. That was just a few years ago. No, but is, is that thrilling? Does it feel, or does it feel like, oh my gosh, I have to relive this no, all again? it's amazing. It's amazing. I love the show. I'm actually a fan of the show. I think yeah, it's that's what I really, really great. Mm-hmm. I, I went back and rewatched a few episodes recently, and like, I was watching Dinner Party, and I watched Diversity Day. I watched Health Insurance. It is so funny. I have to tell you guys that... Someone messaged me online and said, you know you you laugh in the healthcare episode, you break. Oh. And I was like, what? So I went back to watch it. And when Rain Wilson as Dwight says hot dog fingers, I lose it. And we're standing and accounting. Not only do I lose it, I go like this. And Brian, because he's he's the tattletale of the group, Brian goes, <laughs> Like that, it's in there. It's they, actually wow. in there. They left it in there. It's, 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 like, it's like three seconds you have to watch. When Rain says okay. hot dog fingers, the camera whips to accounting, and I go like this, and you go. I'm gonna, I'm gonna watch. Oh my god! Real quick, let me ask you though. Do you, do you guys have a favorite episode? You just, you just named so many episodes so easily. Do you have like the one that you love, oh, or the I, one that you love for your for character? Me, for me, it's about well, yeah. I mean, for me, <clears throat> character-wise. Um, there, well, there would be two. One is when Holly thinks Kevin is slow. Oh my gosh. Those series of episodes. That was ridiculous. <laughs> that, that was like me. so hard like to not laugh in those. When she came up to your desk, yeah. I was like, oh my gosh. Um, but the, but the, the moment for me is the, the chili. The chili. Mm, let's talk about that chili. I want to hear your favorite no, episode no, real no. quick. This but is... I want to bring up this Instagram. We're going to bring up this Instagram. You said... I have been bought many drinks in my life oh. from strangers, but this is a first hashtag chili. When you got that script, were you aware you were filming the most tragic scene? The saddest thing. In all of TV. I, dare I say all of film history. It's just, <laughs> it's just running on a loop right there at uh, that moment. Um, I mean, I know. I thought it was funny. I think in the moment, I mean, when we read it, I was like, oh, this is amazing. When we were filming it, it, it truly was very, uh, I mean, this is not probably what people want to hear. It was very technical because it was a humongous pot of chili that was going to make a gigantic mess. And they came, so that whole area, there was, you know, spoiler alert, there was carpet on top of carpet, right? Because otherwise the carpet was going to be ruined. So it was the same carpet, but on top. They had gigantic pieces of carpet. They said, we have three of these, Brian. So you, you can't screw it chances. up any more than that. Yeah. But sure. one, no. take. one take. One take. My man. One, one take. take. Yep. They call me one take wonder. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> um, no, but I, I was so, I mean, I was so filthy. I, the story I always tell is. Oh, my gosh. Truthfully, there's a very fancy, very quickly, very fancy steakhouse in Beverly Hills. And Oscar and Angela and I would go there on occasion. We would just have a to have di- Like we would out. have dinner. Just like a fun night out. I'm yeah. sorry, I love this. That picture. night, we had one scheduled. So they leave. It was just me, obviously, filming that. Shower, scrub, wash, scrub, baby wipes, everything. <laughs> I sat down to dinner, and we're sitting there, and I was just like. like what is that smell? I can't get it. <laughs> I can't get it off me. So here we are. We're like eating Oscar in his seafood tower. And I'm like <laughs> no, smelling like. First of all, Oscar, like when you go out to dinner with him, he like turns into the Godfather. He's like, yeah, we'll have that. We'll have that. Yeah, we'll have some of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, we'll yeah, have yeah. That. And yeah, next Oscar, thing, we, don't next eat... thing we have this thing, and it's, I'm like almost embarrassed when they bring it to the table. I'm like, oh my god. Yeah, we don't eat shellfish. He's like, yeah, we'll have one yeah, of the yeah, towers. Yeah, Let's do that. This, you do it like a shooter, Angel. Do it. This is like, gonna be the good thing. Just real quick before we get yeah. to a game that I want to play yeah, with yeah, you yeah. both. Uh, did you, your favorite episode? I have so many. I love dinner party. It's mm. so good. Like Dwight brought his weird babysitter as his date, and she's like gnawing on that bone. And I, I thought that that Steve Carell and Melora Hardin, Jan mm. and Michael, that mm. was one of the most awkward dinners I've ever sat at. Yeah. And uh, it, it just and when when he showed us his flat screen TV so proudly, you know, like 
Oh my gosh, the scene, that that's that show just. So it felt awkward while you were filming. Oh, even. it was so awkward. <laughs> it was so awkward. And um, I mean, I love and I love all the Christmas episodes too. I love the party planning committee, and obviously, I love throwing a cat in a ceiling. I mean, I didn't love it. <laughs> like I felt bad for the cat. Yeah. But that that is one of my favorite cold opens. Ever. It was like a thing off the bucket. Yeah, yeah. List. I'm only eighty two pounds. All right. Well, listen. Okay. We're gonna do this. We're gonna play a quick game, right? Okay. You yes. guys are here for Bring Your Beer to Work Day. Yes. Which sounds a little like a holiday that Meredith made up. Yes. But it's a real holiday. It's this Friday. This Am I Friday. getting that right? That's yeah. right. All right. So we've got some Heineken's here. Now these are non-alcoholics, right? That's right. Yes. It's Heineken Zero Zero, alcohol-free. But it, I would have. I mean, you guys, it tastes so good. You, it, you have like a sip of it, and you're like, oh, that's a Heineken. Oh, so this is this is going to be the game. Okay. All right, are you okay. ready? Okay. Because you guys yeah. both played accountants. Yes. All right, I'm going to ask you some math questions. Okay. And if you answer it incorrectly oh, or no. wrong, time to take a sip, my she friend. You don't want me to do oh, math. Oh my god! A little All right, here bit we go. of a drinking game. Oh, right? let's see who's better at the numbers. I'm let's, not good let's at math. Go. I'm not good let's at math. Go. Can you tell no. me no. what PEMDAS stands for? PEM. P E M D A S. <laughs> you know it's an, what? It's an I'm, acronym. It's an acronym. Oh, you're just, now you're just looking at the prompter. It's an acronym mm-hmm. for uh, no, mm-hmm. no, no, no. PEMDAS. Oh, that. Oh, thank you for the buzzer. Yeah. That's that helpful. does yeah, that, that does taste uh, like Heineken. It does. Yeah. I had to drink two though because I didn't know it is an acronym for the words parentheses, exponents, multiplication, division, addition, and subtraction. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. According Hashtag. to PEMDAS, though, what? Which problem would you solve first in this equation? And we're going to bring it up on the board here, or we've got it. We've got it right down there. What would you solve first? What would you solve first? In the parentheses, nine. Times six is 54 plus three. Wait! I would do the outside of the parentheses first. Wait, wait, but what do you, you don't have to solve the whole problem. Just which which one do you tackle first? In the parentheses. In the parentheses. In the parentheses. Congratulations! I was going to solve it. Oh. Could you? I just was. I'm just doing light lifts. I'm just getting ready. What is the square root of 16? Four. Four. Okay! You guys pretending like you don't know nothing about math. Now we're just drinking for fun. Mmm. Which is higher, 10 to the third power or 3 to the 10th power? Oh, I don't Probably know. 3 to the 10th. 3 to the 10th? Oh, you got yeah. to crush it. Nice. Not, Numbers. You, Let's you go. Know. All right. What? La- What's the buzz for? La- that's because you guys are killing it. Oh, okay. okay. Last question. If your bill's $100, how much should you leave for a tip? 120. 20%? I just said 120. You guys are, yeah, I mean, you're an over-tipper, and I like that, too. Up top, no, you said 20. Good yeah. job. All right. You guys killed it. Cheers. Cheers. Mm. Thank you so much for coming on the show. You guys are an absolute delight. I do hope the Kevin and Angela show gets picked up. Yes. You heard it here first, Hollywood. Bear All right. Accountants. National Bring Your Beer to Work Day is Friday, April 26th. I'm sure we'll all be celebrating in our own way. Don't go away. We're reading more of your tweets next. Welcome back. Are they two of the nicest people to have ever been here? That was so fun. <laughs> they are absolutely They're delightful. They're so sweet. Yeah. I want full transparency <laughs> on this, though, mainly for my own ego. Okay. She was on an Apple box. <laughs> Angela's thing, kind of in the show Where'd every once in a while, is that she's not the tallest person in the world, and all of a sudden, she was up here. We didn't bring it was up. Was it stressful for you? It, well, you know, I'm going to admit it. I'm going to, oh, oh, are you going to? So these are, these are Apple boxes. Uh-huh, uh-huh. These are uh-huh. Apple boxes, so when we have short guests, I just want you to know what I thought he was going to do was put it down on my oh side, my and it was going to be really sweet. Oh, and instead, oh, this is what happened. All right, this Brianna, is crazy. It was, it's, it was it very was, dramatic. She, she was feeling it too. She was also in wedges. I feel very powerful. I'm really I, now. I'm just out in all her secrets. All right, listen. <laughs> Brianna tweeted this about my sit down with W. Kamau Bell. Do I retweet that you more? So funny. Can't wait to watch the Not All White People episode. That was a, that was I mean, perfect. you get this too. You yeah, get well, I don't get I, Someone has not said, do we retweet you more yet? But no, yes. but people yeah, come yeah. up to what you. What do we do? Alleviate my guilt. Yeah, I, well, one, it, it, like, it happens with poets a lot. I think actually black poets, queer people, you, people come to you that crying. I have people coming to me crying a lot. Mm-hmm. And, and they're not, you know, it's just, it's a, yeah, it's a thing. It's a, when you're doing work, you know, people go out there wanting to figure out how to engage it. You've stirred something in them. Mm-hmm. And it's like, 
cool, you know, because you're like, okay, but I never know what to say. It's like, I, it's not my job to give you a roadmap. I, I just, you know? I wrote the book. I don't, <laughs> <laughs> I feel like he's like, I did the show. He's I don't like, know. watch like, the show, <laughs> come to your own conclusions. I, I thought it was so interesting. He said that his mom mm-hmm. dropped out of the PhD program at Stanford yep. in the 1970s, which is like, a decade into the black arts, actually two decades into the black arts movement because they didn't recognize, I think he said African-American literature mm-hmm. as, as a, like an area of focus. And that's, like, that's really interesting. It's super interesting. It's one of those moments that you should really hold on to because history will show you that a lot of the things you're maybe dealing with currently, like right. history shows that that is trash. That's a great point. It's a, yeah, people that- What are, are things that are not considered legitimate now that like, you know, 20 years will be like, can you believe? Can you believe yeah. that that was that's not considered? Point. It was amazing. I love it. I love it. Well, we also wanted to know what you thought of Jack Dorsey, the CEO of Twitter's meeting with Trump yesterday. Um, Curvil Girl, don't cover boy, baby. What a username. <laughs> says, sketchy as hell. Mm. Yes. Yeah, that's, again, that's... the fact the fact that we kind of learned about it right while it was happening, right? The fact that it was right. behind closed doors. It felt, the fact that Jack was there in a suit that it looked like they just bought on the way over and maybe hadn't <laughs> I mean, had time to get tailored. <laughs> My thing with, you know, these major tech companies, Google, Apple, uh, Facebook and and Twitter, basically those four. Uh, they're nation states, mm. right? If we look at their 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 wealth, if we look at the breadth of their influence, if we look at the number of users that are, they're basically nation states, right? And 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 that is newsworthy. And I think at the that point, you're not just meeting with a world me- uh, leader. Trump was meeting with a world leader too yesterday, mm. actually, when he met with Jack mm. Dorsey. And I think in that, those situations, yes, it is very important to have journalists in the rooms. These are, what's going on in Twitter, misinformation, all of, these are some of, as Ben Collins, the tech reporter from NBC said, some of the most pressing questions of our era, period. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So anytime they're in the room together, we need reporters there. I'm like, that would be like Trump meeting with any other world leader and not having reporters. It's not okay. I agree 100%. And all again, right. and it was a half an hour, which was short, but also right. a lot longer than just like a photo op, right? A lot longer than just a little Locking Happened at the little me exactly. <laughs> Sylvia tweeted this after my interview with Angela and Kevin from The Office. It was their character names? Brian Baumgartner's voice is so not Kevin. Tell me about that because I have to admit I have not watched The Office. Yeah. What? Yes. Yeah, I didn't. I know. I saw. I mean, listen. Here's people... the thing. I know it's a very big thing, right? <laughs> Somebody has not had the same experiences as you. It's it's important <laughs> to understand that we all come from different walks of life. I understand that, but I'm sorry about. That I don't response. like awkward humor. I'm just saying. I can't do it. Talk to me in a couple years. Just her I think talking you might about find it. I don't think the, her just talking about the dinner party made me so uncomfortable. I started like my hands started getting. I'm intrigued because you do have a, a. I've seen some clips. I, I the you have chilly a tendency moment. to push away and yeah. then come around. But so I we'll felt see. this way for a long time. All right, you felt this way for a long time. It's I will so say, talking to him, was they were incredible. delightful. Uh, he's, very I'll be like, that's the thing. Actors are not their characters. Uh, he was nailing the math stuff. Not a problem for him at all. Him Doss. Yeah. It's the order of operations. Yes, all I, I would argue he had a very deep, soothing, he had a, oh. he had a nice voice. I just love that he was like, Post Malone, maybe? I don't know, we were at a bar. <laughs> anyway, thank you to all of our guests, Jason Kepler, Brian Collins, Zoe Tillman, Angela Kinsey, Brian Baumgartner, and Debbie Kamal Bell. What a great morning. It was a wonderful show. We had a great time. We'll be back here tomorrow at 10 a.m. Have a great rest of your day. Halfway through the week, you're almost there.